0: Praise the Lord. Well, we'll come around the word this morning and uh, it's all, it all lines up with, I believe, what um, the Lord's been wanting to do among us this morning already. So uh, it's good news, isn't it? Hallelujah. You know, when Jesus sent out the 12 disciples, uh, commissioned them uh, to preach the gospel, there's a whole chapter of the instruction that he gave them, Matthew chapter uh, 10. What to do, how to go, uh, where to go. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. It's a good read. I encourage you to read Matthew chapter 10. Uh, The message was simple, that they were to take out. The message was, the kingdom is near. And all that the kingdom encompasses is everything you need, the power of God present. The kingdom is near. That was to be the message that they were to take out. And, um, And Jesus said, freely. He said it. Freely you have received. Freely give. You know, sometimes... Uh, the blessing stops with us. And what we say here is that the gifts, you know, the blessings of God, the, uh, uh, what he has for us is not just to us, but through us. And that's where there needs to be a little correction. Maybe that's for someone this morning. Someone needed to hear that. that there's a correction. Is it stopping with me? Am I just Jimmy, Jimmy, gimme, gimme? You know, my name's Jimmy, you know, gimme, gimme. And uh, it stops with us, whereas it's to the design of God's blessing, the way to get it really flowing in your life is to make sure that it's going out. And uh, uh, Jesus was saying, freely you have received, freely give. So good to be reminded from the Word of God, just how freely God has given to us. Becoming a Christian did not require us to be perfect. How many of you can say amen? amen? You know, he found us where we were, uh, you know, the Bible says we believe unto righteousness. We weren't righteous first. Some are waiting until they're better before they become a Christian. What a, what a, what a wasted thing to do. Wait until you're better. Wait until, wait until they deserve it. <laughs> well, we're never going to deserve it. And, um, you know, what gets us that gift of salvation, that gift of righteousness, uh, is not our good behaviour. Uh, the gift of righteousness is free. Freely we have received, freely we should give. We didn't have to be a better person to come to Jesus and believe on him as Lord and Saviour. The gospel message didn't require us to take a vow of poverty or give all that we had away, you know, because all that, that you just stumble with all that. It didn't require that. I'm so glad that he loved us where we were and how we were. We just, you know, we just needed to repent, didn't we? You know, we had to repent. We had to. Uh, the word mean repent means to change our mind, and uh, from unbelief to belief, from doubt to faith. And in that one action, we were set free from sin, death, and the grave. Eternal life became our inheritance in that one act. Freely he gave, amen. His grace and mercy was all that was needed to deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and bring us through to the kingdom of God's dear son. And you need to know in your heart you've been delivered. You've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And his new life and freedom and God-given authority is yours, yours to work with. You know, I heard someone ask uh, the question recently, can a Christian be possessed by the devil, I heard that question, and the answer is no. A Christian, a, a Bible-believing, born-again Christian, cannot be possessed by a devil. I say that very, very clearly. Okay, possessed by a spirit. The devil's main weapon against Christians is not possession; it's oppression. Well, trying to press, trying to come against what you're doing, what's happening in your life, you know, weaponize other people. You know, it's an oppression. It's not possession. And most of that's through deception, lying. You know, the devil's a liar from the beginning. You know, he's the father of lies, the Bible says. So watch out for deception. Who who does he go for? He goes for the weak, you know. uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again, I don't like watching wildlife movies and documentaries, you know, because there you go, always they zero in on those films, on the weak ones that are at the side and you see the lion, I'm going, get out of there, Bambi, you know, move. You know, you want to tell them to (laughs) watch out, that lion's going to get you. The Bible says that you know the 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 um, uh, you know the enemy, that the devil roars around like a uh, sorry uh, he, um, he he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know from those wildlife documentaries, he's going for the weak, the person who can't rub two scriptures together on the subject. Going for them. So my. I would say the best defence against a lie, deception, is the truth. Just read your Bible. Get that truth down in your heart where it becomes a defence against deception. Something that's not quite correct. Something that's not quite right. Defend yourself with the truth. Amen. The the, the belt of truth, if you look at the armour of God, the belt of truth is the thing that holds everything together. And of course... We need to be a people that understand that spiritual warfare is about, is about what we're called to spiritual warfare. You know, the works of darkness against a Christian is oppression in the mind. I was in the church office a little bit earlier in the week and just my attention was drawn to a couple of books that are sitting in there by Joyce Meyer and her uh, great book, I'm sure it's a bestseller, uh, the, Battle, uh, the Battlefield of the Mind. I think it's called great book to read. I don't think I've read it, but I'm just sitting there looking at it, thinking this would be a good book to read because I know that she'd just preach it real good in that book, The Battlefield of the Mind. For someone who feels depressed occasionally, feels op- oppressed occasionally, get a hold of that book. Third shelf down, just toward the left. Okay, the Joyce Meyer section, and you can just take that out and have a good read, and bring it back when you're finished for someone else. What a great book to get a hold of. The strategy for the enemy is to get the believer to believe a lie. But the answer to that, the remedy of this, is this: The enemy has no right to do that in your life. I say that again, the enemy has no right to do that in your life and the life of the Christian, although he tries it on. So what is the answer? Well, we need to use our authority as believers. The devil had the audacity to try and tempt Jesus in the wilderness. And he didn't call down a legion of angels to fight him off. Didn't do it. What did he do? He just spoke the word. Just spoke the word. Just kept on saying what God says. Just spoke what God says. Oppression from the enemy. You need to be a person that speaks the word and knows how to. Amen. Amen. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says this. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, you're allowed to resist the devil. You're allowed to say, no, devil, no, I'm not listening to that. No, that's not the truth. I'm going to say what God's word says. And my my Bible says that he says that you are a liar. You know, you can can talk that way. You can walk out your Christian walk that way. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, he has delivered us... From the power of darkness, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And just notice, when someone gets saved, they come out from being under the power of darkness, the authority of darkness. Darkness no longer has any right, but it's up to us to use the authority that we've been given. Amen. We also need to remember the price of Jesus' blood was enough. Our salvation is through his blood, meaning his death. We didn't need to add our good works to receive the gift of eternal life. We need to know that what redeemed us was not our good behaviour. I kind of worked that out when I, when, I, when I came to Christ. I kind of knew that that was how it was. I just came as I was. And the good news was, I found out he loved me as I was. He loved me right where I was. But also, and we've all experienced this, he loved me enough not to leave me where I was. So he had truth for me to start walking in. He wanted me to start to align my life with his word, start making a difference. Um, You know, so important that we understand that, lest we try and mix works. And the value of works into our salvation. We need to know that what redeemed us was not our good behaviour, but his grace and mercy. We are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, you should know it off by heart. Just in case you get caught up in good works and trying to earn your salvation. Some just need to settle it. The pathway into God's kingdom is by believing. When you do, it will set you free. Set you free from your works. In fact, your works, you know, your righteousness, the Bible says, is just filthy rags. Yeah, your righteousness, what you bring and say, well, I'm good enough. Well, no, you're not, you know. And you weren't. So let's back up that scripture. Look at, I love this one, John chapter 5 and verse 24. Look at this one. Most assuredly, I say to you, he... Who hears my word, this is Jesus speaking, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Not might get it, might receive it, has everlasting life. And look what it says, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. I'm going, why would would we go looking for something harder? Why would we do that to ourselves? Why would we pull a, a, a doctrine down from, you know, something out there on the super information, super information highway that doesn't, doesn't actually align with that at all? When we've got the, wor- the very words of Jesus saying, most assuredly, he's saying this. See, you know, again, the truth is, freely you have received, freely give. Look what we got in Christ. And be quick to take it out and share it with others. It's a great gospel message. Too good to keep to ourselves, I believe. And if we're going to be busy building God's kingdom, our Sunday church going activity, if that's all it is, is not enough. It's not enough. Paul gets invited to speak at the synagogue in Antioch. And what is his message? I'll show you. Holiness. You know, he could have have gone into a, a number of places. Let's make the world a better place. You know, that wasn't his message, I assure you. It's salvation by faith. That's his message. Salvation by faith. Acts chapter 13, look what he says. Acts chapter 13 and verse 38 to 39, he says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, talking about Jesus, through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified. Wow. From all things, and get this part, he brings the law into it, is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. No one's going to stand in the sight of the Lord and say, I've been real good, I kept the law. And, you know, the answer will be liar. You didn't. You couldn't. You know, no flesh will be justified in the sight of God by the law. That's the truth. We need to, we need to just settle it in our hearts and stop trying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Stop trying. You know, There's nothing wrong with the law. In fact, you can read in Romans how it says, well, the law was for good intentions and purposes, but it didn't justify us in the sight of God. It was actually the law, if you think about it, the law was the measurement That when we measured up against it, it told us that we needed a saviour. That was the message of the law, is you never be good enough. And that's the truth that we need to tuck in our hearts when we go out and get around others. You know, particularly when they say, well, I've been real good. (laughs) You know, we know that that they've got the the wrong gospel. Notice how Paul brings clarity to his message in his preaching, which is all about the forgiveness of of sins and being a believer and not a law keeper for justification. It helps us to understand that attaining eternal life is not going to be on the basis of the works of the law, but by our faith and our believing. Freely you have received. Freely give. It's great news. It's great gospel that we've been given. It is good news, isn't it? We must remember that when we reach out to others with the truth of the gospel, we're bringing them to a spiritual experience where he goes to work in their life. And that's, again, the, um, the testimony of Cassandra is a great, just perfect for that. Through their believing, as they come in, through their believing, he goes to work. You see, I felt that I'd come into something different uh, when I got saved at the age of twenty one, I felt that I got I came into something different, not because of what I then learnt, but because of the experience I had from day one. I woke up the next morning feeling really clean on the inside. I felt like something had changed. In fact I got out of the baptism tank feeling just that way. And God had done something. I thought they put something in the water. You know, tricky things. That's what I was thinking. That's true. I th- thought they'd put something in that water to make me feel clean. And then I realized, actually, hmm, this is on the inside that I feel this way. Wow. Only God can do that. You know, spiritual experiences. Look what it says in uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 4 to 7. It says, but when the kindness and the love of our Savior toward man appeared, appeared to us. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What a great word. It just fits in so you know, perfectly into what we're talking about this morning. The truth of the gospel brings us all to that new life in the spirit. It's a life of faith and it's a life of believing. What God has for us is a washing, a regeneration and a renewing of our spirits and only he can do that. I'm so glad it's not about learning how to be religious. Come to church and learn how to be religious. We'll teach you real soon, you know, how to be religious, you know, the truth of the gospel brings us to new life in the spirit. I like uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 14, and it says there, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You know what comes out of that should be fresh commitment. What comes out of that should be fresh consecration to live for Jesus. And it's more than just having a Jesus sticker on your car. Freely you have received, freely give is the message this morning. We recognise the call for all of us to live for Christ who died and rose again. It's a definite call. And the question for us now is how do I now live for him and not for myself? You see, living for Jesus is not just being a believer and going to church on Sundays and merely waiting for that sweet chariot to swing low. (laughs) Just take us off to heaven. This is too hard, you know. It's more than that. We should understand that once we come to new life in Christ, our best expression of that new life is to be busy helping others. To find that same new life in Christ. And there's ways of doing that. But we first of all have to commit to that lifestyle. There's ways to do that. Let's recognise that as a new creation, we should live for him. We all have a ministry to fulfil. And it will require us to give time to it. It will require our prayer and our faith. Let's get better at that. You don't have to be an evangelist. And have a newsletter. Okay, you know, and a YouTube channel, you know. You, you might get one one day, though. You might. Pastor Jess is one of those YouTube channels one day. You don't have to be an evangelist and uh, or go out street witnessing, knocking on doors to tell people about Jesus. Don't have to have a tent crusade, you know. You can lift You can simply lift your sights onto someone who is in your immediate circle that doesn't know that God loves them and begin to pray and believe to see them saved. I maintain to this day that someone started to pray for me when I got saved. There was too much going on before I got saved for me to think, how did that happen? Hmm. Someone focused on men started to pray for me. And really, my message is getting there today because freely we have received, freely we should give. We can at least give a prayer to someone or pray on someone's behalf in our circle, someone we know, a relative, a friend, a workmate. We can pray, you know, in that moment of consecration. You know, statistics prove that the highest amount of people. Who come to to faith in Jesus Christ come because someone they knew, a friend, a relative, a workmate, shared the gospel message with them. Let me just do a little show of hands today. Save today in church because you're saved, you know the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you got here because a friend, a relative, or a workmate, someone you knew, all right, someone that was known to you, preached the gospel to you? There's not enough hands going up, all right? I just want you to know, I might have to give an altar call at the end for salvation or something. (laughs) Just the thing is, a lot of hands went up, okay? A lot of hands went up. And the the thing we should see there, it wasn't a tent crusade. It wasn't someone gave us a flyer in the street. Nothing wrong with those things, you know, because people do get saved that way. But the most amount of people got saved because a friend, a relative, or a workmate actually was bold enough to speak to us about the gospel and ask us to believe on Jesus. And it's something that we should be aware of. We need to see that it is a mini ministry that God has given to each one of us, whether you feel you're called to it or not, to share the gospel with someone else. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. He doesn't come with a big stick because of how bad you've been. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us The word of reconciliation. We've got to get out with that word of reconciliation to reach people that need that salvation message. I'm so glad that we were told early and clearly uh, in my Christian experience that we're reconciled to God not through our good works or the works of the law but through Jesus Christ alone. I'm so glad that we were told clearly that the ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. No one else is going to do it. Uh, the social services network down the road is not going to do it. They're not going to preach that. In fact, the worst situation is actually occurring now is where they'll avoid funding churches that are doing it. Sholom House, case in point. They have to fund by giving because the government doesn't want to fund it. Because, why? It's Christian. Yeah, it's the truth. And so they're not going to fund it. And um, just in case we're not clear on what the ministry of reconciliation is, Paul makes it crystal clear for us. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And just in case someone hasn't been listening, let's see it in the place, black and white. Look what it says, not imputing their sins to them. That's the word of reconciliation. Such a great message. Wouldn't it be be terrible if the only way you could get someone saved is if they had to confess all of their sins up until that point in life? You know, you can come to Jesus, but you're going to have to confess every one of your sins. You know, repentance is about a change of mind. We change from unbelief to belief. That's the change. That's what repentance talks about. And when we take up the ministry of reconciliation, we have to understand that the powers of darkness are preventing that message from going past the minds of the hearers, reaching their hearts. We have to understand that. The powers of darkness are at work. This is where our prayer comes in. This is where it occurs. This is where our spiritual warfare begins. This is why our efforts to win the loss need to be with prayer cover. We only need to go back a chapter to see that this is a need for the believer that, that is serious about winning the lost and bringing others to faith. And I'll just go there quickly. Just a couple more scriptures this morning. It says that, therefore, since we have this ministry, in other words, we've, we've received this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You know, the witness that will prick the conscience of unbelievers is that we carry new life that is in Christ. It's that spirit of God turning up, that we have evidence of changed behaviour, because of our new life in Christ. And it goes without any need to explain that what will ruin that same witness, and I just put this out there, what will ruin that same witness is our own failings and works of the flesh and being a Klingon. You know what a Klingon is? That's not something from Star Trek, okay? Being a Klingon is someone that clings on to their old carnal ways, okay? Being a Klingon. Paul goes on to that further step of explaining that the enemy is against the loss being one to Christ. And this is how he puts it. He puts it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 to 4. And he says this, but even if our gospel is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, Should shine on them, you know, and that's what we're after. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're choosing to believe. The three by three program, three times three program, gives us all that opportunity as a fresh initiative in this church to pray people into the kingdom. Amen. To get with others for fellowship and prayer, to use our authority to push back darkness and the influence of darkness over someone's life. Wow, how important that is. So that the light of the gospel can come shining through and break that veil off, lift that veil and bring hearts to faith, bring people to a believing faith in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 to 6 says this For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a great message. You know, and and I just want to continue on to sort of say that with our three by three um, uh, 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 initiative that we was just encouraging church folk to get him uh, around in. You know, first of all, you need to believe that people should be coming to church. You need to believe that people should be coming to this church if you want uh, to get involved with this program, you know. And, and it's so important because what the, what the actual 3x3 uh, three three program, it's three people getting together at least fortnightly and praying each for three people. So in other words, you're praying for nine, but you'll go off from that first meeting praying for those nine people, all of you every day. What for? To break that veil to get that veil off their lives, to to cover in prayer what's needed to be heard. Amen? What's needed to be heard in their hearts. And uh, I encourage you this morning that, um, and it goes on to a little bit further to explain, three believers connect together and choose three unsaved people, each in their circle of influence, to pray for. The three believers, uh, uh, one is nominated to report to the Victory Life Broom monthly, all right, Victory Life Broom pastors, at least monthly, select one of the pastors. We've got a few of them now. And uh, we encourage you to report to them and say, what's going on? How's that going? After the first month, come and report and, uh, and we'll see. But praying every day for those nine people. You know, you might want to do it quickly. You might want to take time. Some of the people you don't, won't know. Some of them will be the people that you know. But pray for them. And then come back every fortnightly and meet together. Go and have coffee somewhere. What a, a simple way of getting the importance of reaching others for Christ out into the church. You know, and I, I just want to encourage you this morning. I know we've gone a little bit over time today, but there's been things that the Lord's been doing in our hearts and lives, I believe, which have been important. And, um, and I just want to encourage you today that if you're out there and if you, you, know, you, you love coming to this church and you want to you wanna see people uh, doing the same, start praying for others. You know, it's not so much an invitation, although it might be an invitation at some point to come to church. But isn't it important that we get people to come to Christ first, you know, and that we be praying about that and and, uh, looking to win them uh, to faith in Christ Jesus. So why don't we all stand to our feet? We haven't got the worship team today, so we can go pretty well straight into lunch. But let's make a commitment in our hearts today for the lost. You know, I've said it several times during this message this morning. Freely, we have Received, therefore freely give. This is something that we can do for the kingdom, for others, those that are lost. And I, and I encourage you this morning uh, uh, to pray this prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you for a fresh commitment in our hearts, Lord, toward the lost, toward those that are outside of your kingdom at this time. And Lord, that we would be involved in the work and the ministry of, of uh, spiritual warfare, Father. Lord, breaking off the veil that the enemy has brought into, uh, over people's lives. that stops and prevents them from receiving from you, Lord. And Lord, that we would be agents, Father God. In fact, ambassadors for Christ in this time. Lord, that we'd be busy about that, Lord. Lord, that we'd be looking every day to, to pray for those that we know that are in our circle of influence, Lord. Praying and getting with other believers and, and joining in prayer and believing together, Lord, for salvation of others. Lord, that your church would be about the business of your kingdom at this time. And Lord, that we would uh, not just be a people that have freely received, but people that freely give. Lord, we make this commitment before you today in the mighty name of Jesus. And give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say amen. 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 Hallelujah.